we're recording episode two. And got it. <laughs> Didn't think we would make it this far. I do think we should start a Patreon though. And the bonus material could just be me playing with my nips for an hour. <laughs> Give the okay, people I'm what they that. want. I'm, I'm cutting I'd pay for it. it. Yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to edit that part out, I think. Or are we the type that just doesn't edit anything or just, just all goes up? You're going to leave that in because you know it will drive viewership up. Well, <laughs> listenership. It's an audio medium, Julian. Yeah. So they can just imagine what it would look like. Oh, my goodness. Imagine whatever you want. <laughs> it's audio. People might not even know what we look like. <clears throat> that's, that's even good. better. And, I and think then that's... when they actually find out, it'd be like, oh. Have you ever done that where you've listened to something and then you've pictured the person in your head as to what they look like and then you actually <clears throat> find them in real life and you're like, they're nothing like what I pictured them at all? Absolutely. Yes. And I guess rarely is that like, oh, they're much better looking than what I thought they were. And I think that applies for us too. <laughs> we're far more attractive than what you think we are. Yes, mm. that's true. <laughs> so guess guess what happened to my microphone this week? What happened? Because this cable I've got is brand new because um, a guinea pig chewed through the other one. Yeah, so I happened to leave the microphone sitting on my desk at home, which is right next to the guinea pig enclosure. Well, that's on you. Which, without context, does sound funny that there's a guinea pig enclosure. <laughs> and then one night, just watching TV, and I hear this kind of bang, bang, and I look up and the microphone is rocking on the table and the cord had fallen into where the guinea pigs are and one of them decided to chew through it. That's amazing. That's just so, That's just foreplay for guinea pigs. So, yeah, I had to make a quick trip to Officeworks to find a cable that fit. And luckily I found one. Hooray. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been over. The podcast would have stopped and we would never yep. have come back to There's it. There's literally no other microphones available except this yeah. one that I have right now. It's the last one ever. It's the only one ever that we could ever use. Yep. I found exactly out right. this week that I am indeed old. Yeah. Oh. I wake up on Sunday with terrible pain in my neck and shoulder. And it hasn't gone away all week. And I went to the physio today and he basically said, it's because you slept in the one position for too long. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. You... I'm at the age now where they stop looking for reasons as to why I hurt and just tell me, <laughs> this is your life now. You're old. Deal with it. Yep. Yep. Because <clears throat> who would have thought the act of lying down would be painful? <laughs> I usually lie down because I'm in pain. Now I can't do yeah. that anymore. Have you tried so, lying down more? <laughs> I think I think I might try some cocaine. Uh, yeah, that that's the only logical. Have you tried? Have you tried lying under the bed? Like get really low. You know what I haven't tried? I haven't tried not being in pain. <laughs> oh, of just course. try not being in pain, Julian. I'm trying not being in pain. See how that works. You're just not trying hard mm. enough. Mm. I bent down well, the other day to inspect my shoe and pulled all of the muscles in my chest. But I, I do <gasps> have... Everyone. In your chest. <laughs> Look, I, I do still suffer from costochondritis, which is an inflammatory condition that I developed after having COVID. And... Sounds like you're afraid of expensive things. Yeah. <laughs> And essentially, it's uh, it's a disease that you can get at any time after having a severe disease uh, illness, and apparently, it can just happen whenever and last the rest of your life. Hooray! Oh, Hooray. yeah. So Hooray. you got over a really debilitating disease, and the reward was here's another one. Yeah, forever. Here's another <laughs> one <laughs> to go on top of your this other inflammatory disease. Away. That you already have with your with your fertility disease <laughs> that causes so it sounds like monthly excruciating pain. <laughs> it sounds like you're just inflamed, just always. I am. <laughs> I'm just one gigantic flaming ball of anger and frustration. <laughs> you are literally That's the human torch. <laughs> That's why you put the bra on. <laughs> just set everything on fire as I go. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I'm the reason why that dog sits in that room and says, this is fine. It's because I set it on fire before he got there. Yeah, Eloise is here again. This is fine. It's fine. (laughs) All right. Should we get into it? We'll get into it. Excellent. Episode two, we need to come up with some sort of um, proper sign in. Is that the sign on? Sign sign on. on? Just say, welcome to We're Not Helpful, a podcast about books. Because that title makes complete sense. (laughs) I was was actually thinking, do you want to explain why we picked that title? Because without context, even with context. We just talk about... We talk about a lot of things, rarely on topic, occasionally our thoughts on books, of which we have no expertise whatsoever in that industry, so we're really not helpful. But also the real answer is, was that when Brayton came up with this idea to do this podcast, he asked us, hey, what do you guys think we should call this podcast? And you and I, Julian, answered with boobs, booby McBoobs, booby McBoob face, (laughs) booby McPodcast boobs. And then I responded saying, sorry, we're not helpful. And I said and- we're extremely helpful because I think a podcast with boobs in the title would draw in a lot of listeners. Because <laughs> who doesn't want to hear more about boobs? Exactly right. I think we're extremely helpful is like the spinoff where <clears throat> we actually give advice. Once we've made it in the industry, we start actually giving advice. Uh-huh. I don't think my advice would be helpful at all. Maybe that's why we called ourselves that. Our advice is never helpful. Yeah might be helpful to someone who knows maybe whatever floats your boat a pity the fool (laughs) yeah so anyone been reading anything lately eloise i think you finished dracula i did finish dracula um (laughs) and what was great about finishing it this week was i really wish i'd finished it before we did our first podcast because we talked about endings we talked about rushed endings and man, the ending of Dracula is like smash cut end. <laughs> it, w- it was so drawn out of them coming to find Dracula in his castle in Transylvania. And the end literally wraps up in one page where they open up the coffin, they stab him a bunch of times. But um, the American. Spoilers for like a 150 year old book. Yeah, sorry about that. Spoilers, but Dracula dies. Uh, but the American Quincy Morris uh, gets injured in the fight and he dies but how he dies it's literally everyone's sort of surrounded about him he looks up at Mina and says we did this for you for we all love you and he dies and the end (laughs) Um, admittedly it does have a one-page prologue which is Jonathan Harker then discussing seven years later Literally, I cannot believe how seven years ago on this day we defeated Dracula and now we're all happy and I have a son. And that that's yeah, how I, re- I remember that he- and thinking that was a bit weird. Yeah. He only defeated Dracula because he knows where the bastard sleeps. That's true. That Come is- on, no one gets that reference today. Surely. No. No, sorry. Ah, ah it's like the worst line in the movie. I know where the bastard sleeps. Oh, oh, that was your Keanu yeah. Reeves impression? He knows Kung Fu. <laughs> For the last time, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, even though I sound disparaging, I will say I actually really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was it was an extremely good book, uh, very descriptive, very intense, Um the, the, like the one criticism I do have is the fact that it is um, written as journals and diary entries. So there's no real um, stakes in terms of the, the first person perspective means that that person you know is going to survive to the end of that particular entry. Uh, so... So it it wasn't all of the characters. So, for example, Quincy Morris does not have any entries in the book, so it's unsurprising that he dies. But everyone else does have, like, first-person entries. So, like, I never was in fear that they were going to die. I did think maybe Mina would would get it in the end because I couldn't remember 
actually how it ended and whether or not she did die because I know in other versions she has been killed off. So I was looking forward to knowing does she actually die in the end or not. Um, I do love the parts where they keep very descriptively talking about how, oh, Mina's like really sleepy at the moment and she looks so pale. I hope she's all right. It's like, guys, guys, what are you doing? But you've got to consider in that time period, it was probably very normal for women to be pale and have trouble breathing and be very sleepy all the time. That's true. (laughs) It was all the lead they painted on their faces. Yes, all of the lead in the walls uh, and on their faces and the corsets. And then the corsets, yeah. I find it funny that um, Carrie Always, (laughs) who is actually English, played the only American in the film. While a lot of Americans played English. I'm always surprised to remember that Carrie Always is English because he's constantly playing so many different characters that I never know what his actual true nationality is. Yeah, I know. I always think of him immediately as American and have to remind myself that he's not. No, no. He made it very clear he can speak with a British accent. Can. <laughs> That's true. The best Robin Hood. Arguably. Arguably, hands down. Mm. So, yes, I would give Dracula probably four out of five stars, I would say. Um, nice. there, there's, like, some very annoying parts in the middle where you have to try and figure out what certain... Um, people are saying because they have very like the the way that their wording is written is supposed to be in accent so I'm assuming it's supposed to be in like a Cockney accent or a a Scottish accent Mm. and I could not understand what was actually being said (laughs) because of the way that's just like life though well that's you can't understand Scottish people in real life Just killed all of our Scottish listeners. (laughs) No, it's a fucking day. Listen, listen, hey. exactly what happened so yes four out of five really enjoyed it uh that means i have now moved on to moby dick which is exciting how far in how far into it are you i've read about three chapters and i don't know what the hell is going on other than ishmael apparently is a sailor and likes being a sailor that's now uh, read the uh, chat moby dick for dummies (laughs) i'm a ishmael dummy are the chapters in moby dick like long no they're not uh it's a very thick book and it has many many chapters and the chapters themselves are like i'm just looking through the book now they're like three to three to four pages at this stage oh that's easy because it's it's hit and miss it's hit and miss with um some of those classics sometimes the chapters are really short like that and other times they're like 150 pages each yeah (laughs) It's when well, the Terry paragraphs Pratchett, are two or three pages long. He doesn't have any chapters at all. He just writes for, like an entire book, and there's no chapters su- separating the stories. Mm. Oh, it's fine because like he'll actually there'll there'll be breaks in the pages, so you can tell when something has started somewhere else. Um, we can talk about Pratchett on in another yeah. Episode, but see, though, I'm he deserves I'm a, an person. episode in himself. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I would love. I want a whole episode about Pratchett and Discworld. At some point. Definitely. Um, but yeah, see, I'm the type of person that once I start reading, I have to finish a chapter before I can stop. So it really frustrates me when I'm like 20 pages into a chapter and like, ah, oh, I must be getting near the end now. And there's still like 40 more pages to go. Yeah, I find that frustrating as well because I also prefer to like bookend where I'm reading. Um, but sometimes like I just have to go, no, I'm just going to stop at the end of this paragraph because <laughs> I cannot keep reading for various reasons i'm too tired i have to go somewhere whatever um but yeah so far ishmael is a sailor who likes to be a sailor and he has joined a whaling expedition and he's gone to a pub awesome that sounds like i can tell you at this stage sailor's life (laughs) (laughs) excellent well i am still working my way through the name of the wind Mm -hmm. i'm just past the halfway point in that I'll give a full rundown when I finish that, but I'm still enjoying it. It's really good so far. But I did listen to an audiobook over the last couple of weeks, um, which is Red Rising by, and I've completely forgotten the name, Pierce Brown, I think it is. Have any of you heard of Red Rising? No. So what's that one about? It is a science fiction 
book set on Mars in the future. Pierce Brown, yes, I got the name correct. Just double-checked. So essentially, in the future, society is divided into various, like, caste systems where the Reds are, like, the lowest of the low. They are, like, the miners, the servants, the things, uh-huh. like, all that. And it kind of, there's this whole colour system that I'm not going to go into detail because I can't remember all the details of it. But the golds are at the top, like they're the ruling class and they've been like genetically altered to be these perfect humans. That tracks. <laughs> yep. Course, and the yeah. story the story follows a a boy, I think he's 16 or 17 in the book, or he might be 19. Anyway, late teens, early 20s. And he is a miner in Mars and they're mining helium-3, which will help to terraform the planet and eventually allowing human life to live live there so their whole society is underground because um the surface is you can't live on it but he's a miner digs the dirt and everything like that um and i'm going to get into some minor spoilers here for like the first few chapters of the book so if you don't want to get into that just feel free to skip ahead but essentially la, la, happens, la, 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 not listening yep good but essentially what happens is through some terrible happenstance where his wife is actually executed by the golds, he is recruited into this kind of terrorist rebellion organization. And it turns out in the shocking twist in the first third of the book that Mars has actually been terraformed for the last 300 years. And they have been told this lie to keep them subservient. Who would have thought that that was happening? I know. So he signs up to essentially genetically, be genetically altered himself and infiltrate gold society to take them down from the inside. It's uh, very reminiscent of Hunger Games. It it literally like the last maybe half of the book is literally the Hunger Games, <laughs> but it's it's a bit more I guess parts of it lean more towards that young adult audience, but it's also much more adult in certain areas. Like it's a bit mm. more violent in certain aspects. I really enjoyed it. Like I have to say, I would probably give it a good sort of four out of five stars. The comparisons to the Hunger Games I couldn't really escape as I was listening to because I listened to it on audiobook. Um, I couldn't really escape the parallels to the Hunger Games in some parts, but I have heard like that the sequels are a huge jump up in quality. And I think there's five of them now, five or six in the whole series. Now, and I've I've heard like book two just is a million times not that the first one's bad but the second one apparently just blows it out of the water and it just gets better from there would you continue reading the series or listening to the series i i absolutely want to continue reading the series <coughs> it's it's one of those books that some books are like well I, i'd listen to this on audiobook and be fine and other books are like i want to buy this and read it myself and this is a series that i'm going to buy and read myself oh so right yeah julian have you been reading anything at the moment yeah i am still slogging my way through in cold blood um which is it's it's very well written um but i think my my biggest problem with it is is the way he paints the family out to be um i think i mentioned this last week or maybe i mentioned it in messages i can't really remember but they're just such good all-american people yeah, you um, mentioned and I just, in Messenger when we were talking. Yeah, and I just, I don't see any family being quite as altruistic as these guys were, uh, which makes the whole thing a little bit unreal. Um, and it's sort of kind of hard to get through that a little bit because it's like, uh, they're just, they annoy me, you know. <laughs> and I mentioned. I it's, it's, it's kind of like deifying victims in a way. Yes. I mentioned in the in the chat that we were having about how that seemed to be <clears throat> the type of thing that they did 
um, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago was that mm. they would frame the victims as like the perfect victim. There was, it was always like, oh, they had so much potential and their entire life was in front of them and they were the most beautiful, eloquent and elegant person mm. and it was just all shattered by this hor- horrific evil. And it was like people who were less than the perfect victim weren't considered worthy of having their story told so it it's unsurprising that that's kind of where Truman Capote was coming from in terms of his journalism with his um with his writing and how true crime now has evolved to sort of show all of the the nuts and bolts and um what am I trying to say like the the grittiness of reality and how yeah sometimes victims are also assholes in life as well but that doesn't mean that they were deserving of the fate that they received and it's still important to tell their stories as well do you think julian i don't know much about the real case but do you think capote was embellishing it much like has that been something that's been discussed before I haven't heard much about him embellishing the victims. I have heard that he tried to humanise the offenders a little bit too much. And, in fact, he did become quite close friends with one of the offenders before they were executed. Um, But I haven't heard that he tried to, you know, overly sanitise the victims in any way, shape or form. Again, because I don't think you... It was just that thing, you don't speak ill of the dead, Um, in polite society so i think that was kind of where he was coming from in that way maybe they were or maybe that was just a face they put on for the public as well i mean you know the kennedys on the outside looked beautiful and brilliant and you know perfect in every single way but very much the opposite when you lifted the veil so i think it was just polite society at the time as well don't speak ill of the dead and also i think it's for perpetrators (laughs) it is important to I wouldn't say humanise them, but also not make them out to be like monstrous monsters because it's important to remember that regular everyday people who do regular everyday things can also do monstrous things. It's We shouldn't be falling into the trap thinking that only monstrous evil people who were like, evil from birth are somehow the only people capable of doing terrible things. Um, And we see that a lot with, you know, perpetrators of domestic violence where you have people who on the outside, so many people are always saying, oh, they were just like a regular person and they were my friend and they were a good person and I never saw it coming. And it's like, well, that's the point. It's because they do put on that, almost facade of normality whilst doing terrible things but there's no like sudden sudden break that makes them do this one psychotic thing it's like it's it's there and it's part of their nature so I think it's it's important to remember that yes we are all humans and that Mm. some people are just capable of doing terrible things not excusing anything obviously and I'm also reading Phantoms by Dean Koontz, which is a novel I've read before a long time ago, but it's uh, kind of a thriller, sci-fi, horror. Uh, it was one of the few books I've ever read that um, would make me look behind myself when I was walking down the hallway to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Um, basically about a doctor who returns to her small hometown one Sunday evening to find most of the town has completely vanished, and those that haven't vanished have died a very gruesome, gruesome sudden death at what appears to be pretty much the exact same time. And the night goes on from there as she and a sheriff who has been called in try and figure out exactly what has happened and why. And I won't go into any more details on that because the journey itself is actually very well written by Dan Coombs. I love a good creepy mystery <clears throat> story. He wrote the Odd Thomas series, story. didn't he? He did. He wrote three brilliant Odd Thomas stories and then... <laughs> He ended it there and nothing happened after that. Yeah, story. yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've heard that early Dean Coots is best Dean Coots. 
Yeah, he got to a point in his career where I think he went, fuck people, they're awful, only dogs are good, and I'm going to write about that in every single one of my stories. He's not wrong. He's not yeah, wrong. Yeah, I can't fault that, that worldview. I don't need to pay to know that. I, I could just look out my window and, and pick that up pretty quickly. So, yeah. I, I did enjoy the Odd Thomas series, but, yeah, by the end I was just like, what is, I don't understand it, what uh, this is. Anymore. Anna Maria. It was meant to be. He built her up. No over explanation. Like books and no, never. Paid no off explanation as to who she was. Again, maybe I just didn't understand what what she was meant to be and represent. But it certainly wasn't spelled out clearly. I. Well, I I will have to say what I have to say about the Odd Thomas series. Um, kind of segues neatly into our topic for tonight because I read oh, well. probably the first two or three chapters of Odd Thomas and then never picked it up again. It's such really? a good book, the first one. Only because I was in a bit of a reading slump at the time when I read it. It was many years ago now, and I wasn't reading as much as I am today. It's only really been in the last probably two or three years that I've really gotten back into reading after, I guess, hitting my early 20s, where I used to read a lot, and then life kind of happened, and I didn't really get a chance to do it much. But I made the conscious effort a few years ago to actually get back into reading. So I don't know, maybe I'll pick it up again. Is it worth revisiting in 2023? The first the first two or three definitely. Yeah, they're, definitely they're very the first. Well. I really loved the first book. Um mm. and then the like, it's you know, two one. and three also very interesting. But as Julian says, from four onwards, it just kind of falls apart with he he falls into the trap of making his overarching story too elaborate. Um yeah, it just kind, kind kind of like the show Lost. Remember that first season that was brilliant yeah, and yes. just raised all these questions and mm. none of them ever got answered at any point in the show. Oh, and that's the Odd Thomas series. Don't get me okay. started on Lost. I'll <laughs> be ranting. <laughs> it was a fucking night. It was just a magical island. It's magical But it brought Matthew Fox back to the mainstream, so we should all be thankful. That's true. Okay. Good for him. So the topic today is books that we started but never finished. They just fell by the wayside. Yeah, I think you brought up this topic. You wanted to discuss it, Eloise. So would you yes. like to start start us off? So I've got it right here. Uh, I started Great Expectations many years Ooh. ago. What were your expectations? <laughs> were they Clearly great? not high enough to finish the story. <laughs> Wasn't all you hoped for? It was not all I hoped for. Look, uh, yeah, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. You know what? Dickens is really hard to read. Like, I can get through a Christmas Carol, no problem, but I have tried to read some of his other works and it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just very, what's a complicated language? It's just, it's not how we speak now. It's not how books are written now. It's it's that very classic. It's and wordy. Ah, like, I don't know what it is. In any case, like, I I think I got maybe a third of the way through uh, where Pip gets to the mansion and, uh, like, he meets Miss Havisham and she's all weird and everything. Um, famously, if you've ever watched South Park, um, Trey, I think it's Trey Parker or was it Matt Stone? It's one or the other. The the joke is is that one of them also tried to read Great Expectations when they were at like college or something, and they only got halfway through and gave up. So the character of Pip that shows up in South Park is actually based off of the character Pip from Great Expectations, and they do an entire episode devoted to the story of Great Expectations, but essentially it ends with the ball where a bunch of mecha androids burst in and start shooting up everything. And as far as I know, that's how the story ends for real. <laughs> so that's my canon now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's canon. That's how Great Expectations finishes. Mecha robots destroying everything um, and blowing up the mansion of Miss Miss Havisham. But I yeah, it's just one of those 
I really hate actually starting something and not finishing it, even if I'm not enjoying it. Like I have slogged through books in the past where I'm like, I just need to finish this because I hate the idea that I've started it and I'm not finishing it. I just don't like things being unresolved. Uh, For some reason, I've just never gone back to Great Expectations. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's the expectation that perhaps one day I will uh, call in if, if you have read it and you think it's worth finishing, I'm going to have to start over because I don't remember where I got up to or anything about what I actually read in the first place. So <laughs> it's a, it's quite thick. Like it's, it's a fairly, you know, it's definitely, it's half as big Weighty as term. Moby Dick. <laughs> what was, sorry. What was that, Julian? And it's a weighty tome. Yeah. <laughs> I would just like to, sorry, I'd just like to clarify something Alicia said. Um, don't call in right now. This is pre-recorded. <laughs> if you call in when you hear this, we're going to be very confused. <laughs> How did you get this number? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? We'll get around to call setting up anytime. a Facebook page. <laughs> yes, well, I, we have an email address now. Excellent. If, if anyone wants to email in with comments or add to their own discussion, it is not complain about it. Pod. So the email. Uh, let's not encourage too many complaints. It won't be won't be good for our mental health. I don't think we need to encourage anyone to complain. <laughs> Look, we can wait to the end. We can wait to the end yeah, to put I'll in do that. all of that stuff but, first. But no one gets we'll to do. the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they have to. Yes. Uh-huh. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll plug it. We'll plug everything at the end. Um, <clears throat> who's going next? Who's on first? What? Where? Why true crime now? now? Uh, they're going to sue us for that. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> no, we're not making money off this. That's true. If you'd like us to get sued, send us money. <laughs> yeah. We need to pay and our legal bills. we have a straight back to you. <laughs> <clears throat> Right. Julian, do you want to go next? Yes. Sure, cool. I'll go next. Um, I'm going to alienate a large number of our listenership here probably by saying that one I want to talk about is The Haunting of Hill House, which is considered one of the pinnacles of modern horror writing. Um, Haunting of Hill House, of course, by Shirley Jackson, in which a psychiatrist um lures five people to a house called Hill House um, that is said to be extraordinarily haunted so that he can chart their reactions and things like that. And, of course, one of the characters that he does invite, turns out she has a bit of a history with the family that built the place. Um, And, of course, was famously made into the series by Michael Flanagan. Which right everyone's show. probably seen by now. Yes, fantastic. That's a great series. Brilliant series. Of course, not the same as the book in any way, shape, or form, apart from the name of the house. Um, I don't think any adaptation has ever been the like well, a straight not. adaptation of the story. It's always just been based on it and then it's its own thing. Which I think is kind of clever because it does alleviate a lot of the pressure of having to recreate something that is considered a classic story. Mm. And gives um, him the freedom to kind of do his own thing while at the same time, I guess, paying paying homage to the original. Like, I don't think anyone just... would have known the Bly Manor story was Henry Henry James's turn of the screw unless it was publicised yeah. that that's mm. in fact what it was. Um, but anyway, The Haunting of Hill House, look, it's, it's very well written and Shirley Jackson writes very well and the opening paragraph of the book i will say is one of the best things that i've ever read in my entire life it's a brilliant opening line um, which is actually mentioned in the series the book that the brother writes about hill house and the family hates him for and he reads it and he talks about um organisms that exist by themselves and, and whatever lived in hill house lived alone um and and that sets up the atmosphere for the book and it's really well done and Again, throughout the story, there there is some tension here and there. Um, a brilliant scene, which again was shown in the TV series, where uh, one of the girls was asleep in her bed, and she was sharing the room with someone else, and and she was asleep, and she heard a banging on the door, and a lot of noise going on, and a lot of noise going on, and she wakes up and she starts talking to the person next to her, and she says, "Can you please ease up on my hand? Um, 
you know, you're, you're hurting me. And she says, I'm not holding your hand. Uh, and you know, absolute chills the way that was written. But the scares are very few and far between. Uh, and it got to, I'm really actually kind of annoyed with myself because I got about 90% of the way through the book. And I, I just, I couldn't finish it. Mostly because when she builds the tension, she builds the tension amazingly. And she writes absolutely brilliantly. But when there's no tense moments, there's really not much of a story to read. And for me, that kind of, it was just moments of dull sunshine between these moments of brilliant intensity. It just didn't quite make those uh, those moments of intensity worth reading through the the really dull bits of nothing that happened. I mean, it was, oh, there's banging on the doors and a not person is holding my hand. And now I'm in the kitchen while one of the servants makes a cake. Oh, we're in the parlour and there's ghostly noises and the lights are going out all around us and we're all scared to death. And now I'm having lunch down by the lake. And it's like, mm. So it was kind of that. Is it like a, there's this jarring kind of tonal shift between these scenes? Like, is it almost like two different books? A, a little bit. Like, by day, everything's happy and fun and light and airy. And then by night, everything's terrifying. And the terrifying bits are brilliant. And the light and airy bits are just, it's just quite dull. Um, it reminded me very much of reading uh, American Psycho, uh, where it was like, I don't know if either of you have ever read American Psycho before. No. Um, but the day is like, oh, I woke up this morning. I worked out. I had breakfast of bacon and eggs and juice and protein and this. And then I went to work and I made these deals. And I spoke to this guy. And then I spoke to this guy. And then I returned some videotapes. And then I brutally raped and murdered three hookers. And then I had a drink of juice. And then I went to bed. And you're like, what? Um, and so there's just this interspaced moments of sheer insanity. But it doesn't quite make the rest of it kind of worth reading through. For me. I think least. that's I why American Psycho works really well as a film because it can't like it pulls those types of scenes together really well. The juxtaposition of the the stupid mm. banality and dullness of being this high powered executive office person and then being a complete psycho murdering someone and the way that that film. Uh, tilts things so that you never quite know, did he do it or did he not do it? Was it all in his head? Did he get away with it? Was was really brilliantly done. And, and um, I, yeah, I have no desire to read the novelization of that uh, because I don't think you can get the same intensity out of a book that you can in the film <clears throat> medium. No, it, it, does, it does kind of work for that novel because it, like you said, it does highlight that weird 80s vibe um, of that high-powered soulless executive who livens things up by committing murder. And it, it works, but Brett Easton Ellis is that sort of writer. He's very offbeat and very weird, and it works for him. I just I don't feel that it worked for a ghost story, and in the end I just, I just didn't find myself caring too much what happened to these people in the end. I felt the best bits were the ones where it was just – we didn't know what was going on and everyone was scared and frightened. And when that began to wrap up, so did my interest in the story. Hmm. Would you go back to it and try and finish it? Or has, like, for example, watching <clears throat> Netflix television series been enough closure for you? Oh, the, the, the series is very different. The series is about this family, the Crane family, um, and the main character's name is Crane. Mm. Um in the novel and you know it's all about them and, and their story together and how they grew apart and then came back together whereas the novel has nothing to do with family whatsoever in that way they're all all of them are strangers they're all characters like every person who goes to the house in the book is a character in the tv show as one of the siblings um, but there's no relation between any of them in the in the novel so it's a very different story a very different form of closure, though I do believe, spoilers in the novel, um, she does stay at the house and decides she is part of the house, much like pretty sure her character was named after. Her character is 
the bent net lady in the TV show. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, mm. I can't recall her name now, but I think that's who that character was named after from the book. So she is part of the house. Yeah, that is uh, like the bent neck lady's story arc was the most scariest, amazing part of yes. that show. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone if they haven't, for whatever reason, not managed it's five to years old. They should have seen it by now. That's true. But still, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, please do. It's fantastic. What is interesting yeah. is that jump scare with her oh, in Hill yeah. House. And I knew it was going to happen at some point in Usher. <laughs> I knew he was going to get me. And I didn't know he was going to get me like he did. And he got me again with that <laughs> massive jump scare. And I was talking to a friend of mine at the time and I said, what episode are you on? And, and he told me I'm on episode seven or six or seven. Uh, and I said, oh, yeah, that was the one that got me. And he messaged me back about five minutes later. He goes, was it this scene? Because this was the scene that got me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I remember there was it a couple of it. really big jump scares in the fall of the House of Usher, um, and I think I know the one you're talking about. And yes, that was like ah! don't want to spoil it, but it just came out of absolute nowhere. Yeah, as jump scares do. But the way he does it is mm. just mm. yeah, because them. there's no lead up to it. Like usually when you when you watch some you know some kind of horror show or whatever, there is that that tension of you know, silence or or the music builds to you. But, like, it, this is literally just, oh, we're just having a conversation. Suddenly something scare. jumps out. Burr. But it's always a legitimate scare too. It's never like, oh, it's the neighbor's cat suddenly in my closet. <laughs> no, it's it's actually <laughs> something scary. So My cat's been going crazy at the moment where she'll just, like, hide around corners and then just swipe at you. <laughs> my mum mentioned we were we were watching Fall of the House House of Usher and the the bit with the cat that's your cat. She's not that bad. Yeah, cats are jump scares like in real life. Yeah, they can't True. not jump scare you. I was watching Scream the other last night, and I think I was messaging at the same time, Brayton. Um, yeah, and of course it's the the sheriff's son, and every time he opens a door and closes it, yep. the music swells, and you think <laughs> Ghostface is going to be there, and he never is at any point. Of course not. I must still maintain she was a bad sheriff. She was <laughs> off the clock. She had she one was job. She, she was running was... home to apprehend the person who killed her. Spoilers, <laughs> sorry, but I'm very angry. Wait, which Scream movie are you talking about? Uh, the one from 2022. Oh, oh okay, so five? Mm. Five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you haven't seen, yeah, you haven't seen six yet, I think. Okay. I admittedly haven't seen any past three, so. I, I will say five is the best one since two. Ah, okay. Mm. I enjoyed six. I haven't seen six yet. Well, get on to it. No. Okay. <laughs> What's your book, break? Apart uh, from Thomas. <laughs> this, this was actually a really hard one to pick because I'm to a point in my life that I don't really pick up a book unless I'm pretty sure I'm actually going to enjoy it. But I remember one, there's, there's a couple of examples I was trying to pick. This one is if you're ever watching BookTube or BookTok or Book Instagram, I don't know if there's a shorthand for that one. Um, the big book that's kind of been existed. There's BookTube, which is like YouTube channels that talk about books, BookTok, which is TikTok channels that talk about books. Um, but they're not as good so, as us. Don't listen to them. No, Never. no, no, not at all. Listen to us instead. Yeah. But there is this one book that's been around for a while now. It's called The Secret History by Donna Tart. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds familiar. What's that one's a, what, What's that one about? It's about Secret. murder. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. I know it's about a murder, and I know it's about a group of college friends or acquaintances or something that commit this murder. Um, and I believe the whole the whole thing is that we know who committed the murder from like the first page. We know who did it, but it's more about mm. the why they did it and the build-up or told in flashbacks as to why they did this murder. Um, I'd love to tell you more, but I've never gotten past like the first five pages. And I've tried on three separate occasions wow. to read this book. And it's not that the book isn't good. Like the I've read the prologue, which is probably about the first five or six pages, and it's really good. But every time I finish it, I just go, 
I am not in the mood for this type of book right now. And I put it back on the shelf and I move on to something else. And I'm kind of just waiting for that day where I'm like, I'm in the mood for this book. And I'm in the mood for murder. Wait. (laughs) And every, not almost everyone, but a majority of people that have read this book say it is fantastic. And this Donna Tart is one of these authors that writes like, I think she's only released like three books. She writes one book every 10 years. And each one of them is acclaimed. Hmm. So I really want to read this book because I keep hearing good things about it, but I'm waiting for me to get in the mood to read that type of book. And it just hasn't hit yet. It sounds a lot like the premise of that show, was it um, How to Get Away with Murder? Haven't seen it. Called. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that one. The, the well, we, professor my wife, or something. I started watching it. Yeah, she was a law professor and she taught criminal law and she called it her class was actually called How to Get Away with Murder. It was all about how to defend someone um, and get them off a murder charge. But it, the same sort of premise, you know from the very start that these group of, of students has killed someone uh, and why and how and will they get away with it is is the basis of the story and it's all told in flashbacks as well. Yeah. I feel like covering yeah. up a murder and well, defending a murder trial is completely different though. <laughs> it is. It is. Um but of course defending a murder trial or prosecuting a murder trial is based on the evidence. So if you're able to cover up the evidence you get away with murder. And lawyers know how to cover up evidence. In theory, they don't really. <laughs> well, they could potentially but I think anyone who has listened to true crime podcasts know exactly how to get away with murder. Yeah, it's just that police are incredibly incompetent. (laughs) No offence to any policemen out there that might be listening. There's just a lot of paperwork. It seems like it's more paperwork than actually going out and doing stuff. You would be horrified with the number of times that cases fall apart purely because paperwork hasn't been done correctly and i feel like that's not really in the spirit of getting justice for people like oh you didn't submit the correct form under the correct legislation therefore my murdering uh, person gets to go free like yeah there's i don't like that That, yeah that's a whole other issue that we are not qualified to deal with no (laughs) Let's stop that. I did a semester of law school. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, While we're on the topic of books not finished, I want to add one more thing, Mm. which is the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I literally read the first page of the first book and went, nope. (laughs) No, see, things I read. Fled across the desert. He did. I read the first two books and I really liked it. And I got halfway through the third one. And stopped. And I don't know if this has happened to either of you, but I want to talk about it because I read the first book and the second book back to back, then started the third book. And by the time I got halfway through the third book, I was just sick of that world and needed a break from that world. That has happened to me. Yeah. And um, since then, if I'm ever reading a series of books, I always read at least one book in between because I feel like reading too much is um, just an, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, but it's just a lot. And I try and, yeah, and that's that's what happened to me with The Dark Tower. I think the third book is The Wastelands, I think. And I really, I've always intended to go back to it and just have never gotten around to it. You didn't even get to the part where Stephen King inserted himself into the story yet. No, and see, I've heard that happens. And that kind of like... No, not James. Father Callahan, has he shown up? No, he wouldn't have shown up yet either. No, and I'm pretty I'm pretty sure the man in black is Rick Flagg from the stand. Theorized, I think. I don't know if, yeah, if I, King's I, ever confirmed it. I'm pretty I'm I, I remember when I was when I was listening to the, the bleh, when I was listening to the stand, I'm pretty sure I looked up Randall Flagg's like Wikipedia and it does mention him in the Dark Tower. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I did the same thing, believe it or not, with Harry Potter. I read from the first one all the way through to The Half-Blood Prince, 
And then I started the Deathly Hallows. And I said, I need a break from Harry Potter for a little while. And then, of course, we found out that J.K. Rowling is not a good person. Mm. And so I haven't gone back to it. Have you actually read the Deathly well, Hallows in the past, though? Were you rereading? No. You just no, never no, got no, to the no. Deathly Hallows? No. Oh, the, the film makes no sense if you have not read that book. <laughs> they, they, they cut so much out to the point where it was incomprehensible if you had not read the series. All I know is that Voldemort is clearly the worst wizard to have ever lived. <laughs> he couldn't even kill some teenagers. He couldn't kill a baby. A baby. Just oh, but it was love. The window. Love, love protected Harry. Love protected love. Harry from the spell. Love would not protect Harry from being yeeted out of bedroom window. <laughs> See, I I read a, I think it was a meme on, uh, I think it was a meme I saw the other day that said like Sirius Black should not have been in, um, wrongfully imprisoned because they literally live in a world where you can pull someone's memories out and truth potions exist. Yeah. Hey, shut up. And so anyway. Um... <laughs> like, seriously, if you think too hard about Harry Potter, it all falls apart. Like, people have you know, put in all of these ridiculous theories and uh, ridiculous thoughts about what J.K. Rowling was intending with stuff. And it's just like, no, she didn't intend any of that. She was a piss poor planner and, like, screw her with the, oh, Dumbledore was gay all along. It's like, no, like if you wanted to write a gay character, write a gay character. You don't just, like, put in teeny tiny uh, like implied things which actually don't imply anything at all and then say 10 years after you've made your money oh yeah he was gay like that's called queer baiting and it's terrible don't do it actually have visible characters thank you rant over microphone drop <laughs> also with a lot of teenagers they're not that strong i i really i feel like i feel like voldemort could have punched him to death if he wanted to <laughs> And wouldn't see, have taken see, much either. He wasn't very here, buff. He was in a closet his whole life. See, here is here is the big thing with the Harry Potter books versus the movies. We're going off topic here, but I want to I want to say this about this. We, <laughs> I went to see Half Blood Prince, the movie, mm. which I think is probably mm. the worst of the Harry Potter movies, in my opinion. So yeah, that, that like yeah, so we got no no disagreement with that one. No, <clears throat> no, right no. At, right at the end when um it's revealed spoilers for the harry potter series if anyone hasn't read it when it's revealed that snape has kind of betrayed quote unquote hogwarts and harry is and this is this is just a movie thing by the way this is i don't think it's in the book i can't remember how <coughs> the books in years harry is chasing after snape and he's shooting his wand and snape's just easily blocking it and then shoots back at harry and you know harry's on the ground and snape escapes I saw that with um, some older people that hadn't actually read the book and we came out of that and this one person's complaint was that, oh, Harry should have knocked Snape over and said, yes, I'm powerful too. I can beat you. And it would have been this big moment. And I kind of turned and went like, but Harry is a painfully average student. Like he is nothing special when it comes to magic. He's not even in the top. 50% 50% of students at Hogwarts, I think. He is painfully yeah. average, and Snape would have knocked the floor with him if he was actually He trying. does Expelliarmus really well, and it's made fun of in the book, and that's about it. How he gets to become an aura later on when it's revealed that, again, J.K. Rowling revealed in her reveal stuff after the books had been published that Ron and Harry become auras, but they never went back to Hogwarts to finish their last year of Hogwarts. Like, well, how did they become like the most powerful wizards jobs? He got better. He got better. (laughs) He got better. Like I said, not, not a good writer. (laughs) To be fair, Harry Potter, like, you know, kind of defeated Voldemort. So he's riding off that. He's going to be riding on those coattails the rest of his life. Oh yeah. It's definitely his name that rides off. (laughs) Yeah. And Ron was there too. So I still feel like it says Harry's more co- about Voldemort co-tails. than it does about Harry. Yeah. <laughs> not only could you not defeat a mediocre wizard, he was a teenager. 
but getting back to Brayton's point about yeah. getting too overwhelmed with a particular <clears throat> world, that that's fair enough. I, I'm trying to think if that's ever happened to me. Um, I can't. Rec- I think maybe the Odd Thomas series actually. It was just like oh, back to like but you know back in this world but it wasn't it's not like really a fantasy world so i i don't think it's the same i'm just trying to think what i was going to ask about discworld whether that's happened to you but as far as i know like discworld's each book is very is different enough from each other that it's yeah. almost like a whole new book the advantage with discworld is the way that pratchett set it out was that he does have his groups of stories so he has like the watch stories the witches stories the rincewind stories uh and then later on uh he has um the moist von lipwig stories and they the and the, and the death ever, story the so like the ones where death is sort of his granddaughter susan are the main characters so those stories are like uh and then he'll have like one-off stories as well sort of in between like um uh which one is like pyramids and gods gods i think are very standalone stories so even though you're in the world of the disc world um you do get that break in the style because the story being told is very different from one novel to the next and I actually did a few years ago read all of the Discworld novels from start to finish and that's I can't even remember how many there are there's at least 30 41 I think it is god is it that many um so I did read them all from start to finish and admittedly by the time I got to The Shepherd's Crown which is his very last Discworld novel I was a little bit disquelded out and admittedly and maybe we can go into more detail on a particular Pratchett episode that we do in the future but yeah the the shepherd's crown was actually kind of disappointing but I don't want to criticize him because he was getting towards the end of his faculties essentially if people don't know Terry Pratchett did pass away I think in 2016 Mm. now um from uh Alzheimer's Uh, he actually was uh yeah very unwell for a couple of years I can't remember if he did actually get assisted dying uh because he was a huge advocate for assisted dying and he he actually did like um a little documentary series yeah I've seen that document I've seen that documentary it's fantastic yes so I think he did um, in, no, in the end. I don't I can't think remember. he did. I'll quickly Google it. Okay. But in any case, uh, yeah, The Shepherd's Crown is the fifth Tiffany Aching story. So it's actually more of a young adult novel um, compared to the rest of his Discworld series. Um, and <laughs> I just felt that the Tiffany Aching story was beautifully bookended with with the fourth book, which name actually escapes me at this stage. I think it was I Shall Wear Midnight. Had a beautiful ending. And then The Shepherd's Crown just kind of continued and it kills off a major Discworld character and the death to me felt like nothing. But I think that that was supposed to be the point. <laughs> for who this particular character was. It would have been a big shock. And I think people would have liked a more, I don't want to say amazing death, but like, I don't know, something bigger than what actually happened. But I think that that was the point. And like, this is hard to sort of explain when you're not talking about who the character is, because I don't want to spoil it if you haven't read it. Um, But yeah, it was just like, I felt like, it was a story that didn't really need to be told. Perhaps mm. if he had wanted to write one last Discworld story, it could have been something else. Um, and he did still have so many ideas. His daughter wrote um, a pro uh, prologue to the story, I think, about talking about how he had unfinished notes in relation to other storylines involving other characters. He had one more watch story that was kind of like half imagined. He had another Von Lipwig story um, and it all got destroyed. That was a whole thing. She had this whole thing about once my father is dead, his works will not be produced the way Douglas Adams has had works produced posthumously. Um, and she made a big show of actually destroying his hard drive. You can find that on YouTube. I think they put it on 
uh, his official Instagram account or something. So, um, yeah, it. I, I, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get those stories um, because of where we, it ended up. But at the same time, it was still, you know, it was still a fair, fairly good book, but you could kind of tell that his, like, he was slipping a little bit because he, yeah. he was a very, very clever man, very satirical, sometimes beautifully poignant with how he would take, you know, very topical issues and twist it to fit the disc world. Um, and he was very ahead of his time with a lot of issues that he spoke about. Um and yeah, so if if you have not read Discworld, and if we do go into a Discworld episode, I will talk more about it, why I love it, and how I got into it. And I will always recommend Discworld, especially the Watch series. The Watch is always my favorite to read. Yeah, I've only read um, The Color of Magic so far, but I've got three other Discworld books sitting at home on my shelf that I want to mm. um, get into at and- some point. If you do start Discworld, like, it's good to start it from start to finish because mm. a lot of stuff gets set up that is important to know for future stories but not necessarily. So if you do want to start with the Watch series, for example, um, you can start with Guards, Guards. Um, but, yeah, like the first couple of stories, like the Rincewind stories, are a little bit weird. And mm. Yeah, so... <laughs> It, it can be a little bit of a slog to start off with, but I recommend definitely sticking it out because it, they're very funny and they're very clever. Yeah, let me let me read a couple more novels and then I'll, I do want to get into a whole Discworld episode. Nice. Um, I just looked it up. He was natural causes. He oh, okay. Passed away, passed away from complications with Alzheimer's. Yeah, okay. I wasn't sure if he if he had gotten that far or not, but I know that he was an advocate. <clears throat> yeah, he absolutely wasn't. I've never read. I've never read any Terry Pratchett. I have read the first Dark Tower book, and yep. because I absolutely adore Stephen King, and I understand that if you read all the Dark Tower books, it actually does tie in a bit of a bigger metaverse for a lot of his stories. Mm. So hopefully one day I'll I'll get through them. It's- it's very different from his usual stuff. It is. It is. Um, but having said that, I have only the only <clears> other Stephen King book I've read is The Stand, which mm. is his, I guess, magnum opus, I guess. It is. Mm. It is. Of his early years, I think 11, 22, 63 is probably the wet one for his for his later years. Yeah. I've, I've got a few... I considered his best of the last 10 years or so. Yeah, I've got a few King stories on my to-read list, which I will get to eventually. I've got so many books on my to-read to list. Well, I think that might be time to wrap up. Excellent. Uh-huh. We did it. Yay. We did <laughs> Huzzah. it. Episode, episode two done. We may or may not have stayed on topic, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not helpful. <laughs> No, we are not helpful. When when you read the topic of the podcast, don't come in expecting us to talk about it for any length of time. I mean, it's literally there in the title. It really yeah. is. We are promising exactly what you get delivered. Yeah. If if you're disappointed, that's on you. Yeah, that's not on us. We had fun. But what's our email address? Okay, our email address, which I have set up, is nothelpfulpod at gmail.com. So N-O-T-H-E-L-P-F-U-L-P-O-D at gmail.com. I'm really hoping I spelled that right. But it, <laughs> Love it. It will be in the show notes as well. If we don't get any emails, it's your fault. If we don't get any emails, I'm assuming we're doing an awesome job and no one has any critique. So I'm just going to go I would like that. at least one complaint about my use of the word nips. Excellent. <laughs> Um, what else? We're planning on setting up a Facebook page. Yeah, I'll get to it. Point. Yeah, <clears throat> get to it. Eloise has been volunteered by the rest of us to be our social media manager. Yeah, we won't show you photos of us. Instead, we'll show you photos of three more attractive people. Um, yeah, and probably created, probably created by AI, so we can get peak um, physical attractiveness. Yes. Mm. 
peak rage from people. Don't use AI. <laughs> I don't mind a bit of peak wrong. rage as well. That's nothing true. wrong with AI. Think think smarter, not harder, or work harder, not smarter. Think if you can get, so- if you can get someone else to do your thinking too, then that's just a bonus. <laughs> think uh, outside of the box, but in the box, without the box, and the box is actually a triangle. <laughs> yeah. Just about sums it up, doesn't it? My it boy does. is a box. What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> um, so the podcast is up on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and I'm also uploading the audio to YouTube. I think that's all the places we can find. If there's somewhere I've missed that someone wants to listen to, let me know and I'll see if I can put it up on that platform. And apart from that, I think we had pretty good response to the first episode from the people, not the admittedly small audience that listened to it, but we got some really nice feedback. So thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you for those who have listened. If you've gotten this far, thanks for sticking with us. At yeah. least two people who listened to it, and they're both still friends with me, so kind of been too bad. We we don't count. In that case, <laughs> I have nothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, next episode should be good. I'm heading to Supernova tomorrow. Ooh. And I'm hoping to buy Ooh. a heap of books and get them signed by the authors. So I was thinking I'd love to do kind of like a go through the books I got, but I don't know if that'd work on an audio medium. So I was thinking maybe making some sort of YouTube video or something and putting it up on the channel. Sounds like a but, good idea. You know, we'll see what happens. I'll have to think about it. All right. Anything else from you two before we sign off? No. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Now go out there and fail triple N. You've earned fail it. Fail what? Triple N. <laughs> You've earned okay. it. Be Fair good enough. to yourself. I just hope you're not an Optus so you can actually get access to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Topical humor. That's what we're for. <laughs> Topical. Yeah. People in years <laughs> time will not understand that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye.